Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we're in Chapter 5 of the Iowa Type Theory Commute, talking about uh, query style versus church style typing. Really, actually, it's more like an ode to query style typing. Uh, we have so far not really talked about the nice benefits that come from abandoning this church style approach to typing, where types are intrinsic, they're really part of terms, they don't get erased, they're really there. Versus curry style, where the types are just hints to the type checker, and type annotations in your programs, and they're not really there semantically. So operational semantics ignores them, which of course is pretty much what it does when they're intrinsic too. The operational semantics doesn't care about how types compute, they're just sort of stuck in terms, you know, they're just sort of sitting there. Um, and so that's, you know, that's kind of wasteful and not, there's no point of that. And, and query style typing doesn't have that problem. They, they're gone. Uh, but there's some nice benefits to query style typing. And one of them is that all of a sudden intersection types make sense. So we mentioned this at the very end of the last time, so I want to talk about it more today. What are intersection types? So if you have two types, A and B, and the one in the same term can be assigned type A and can be assigned type B. Then, in an intersection typing discipline, you can assign the type A intersect B to that same term. Okay, so um, let's see if we can think of an example. Uh, well, actually, a simple example is, and, and for, at this point, it starts to be helpful to work with church-encoded data. Mm, I wonder if I should stop and talk about that for a bit. Well... Let's just see if we can proceed without a big discussion of Lambda-encoded data. Uh, I, I could definitely talk for a chapter's worth of time about Lambda encodings because we've been doing work on that for the past four years or so. Uh, but anyhow, that so with a, just as a brief, brief scratching the surface taste of Lambda encodings, the idea of Lambda encodings is to represent data as pure Lambda terms, so basically functional encodings of data. So what is bool really? You know, what is true and what are true and false really? True and false uh, are functions which, given two alternatives, pick one or the other of them. So true and false are projections off of a tuple, more or less, of, off of a pair of arguments. So true is lambda x, lambda y, x, and false is lambda x, lambda y, y. Of course, it doesn't really matter whether which one of those two choices of lambda terms you were to pick for true or false, right? It's isomorphic. You could switch them and then say that the one lambda term is false and the other lambda term is true. That doesn't matter. But what's important is that the, the, the lambda encoding of Booleans, and I say the lambda encoding because really, um, yeah, I guess some of our lambda encodings maybe would have some, a little layer of overhead on top of this, unfortunately, for generic, uh, to be generic. But mostly, pretty much, you know, any of the mainstream lambda encodings are going to say, the true and false are, are exactly this. Lambda x, lambda y, x, or lambda x, lambda y, y. Given x and tr inputs x and y, true says it's x. False says it's y. <coughs> okay, excuse me. So, uh, so if you take a term like, let, okay, so that's, let's take, let's see, well, I forgot what I said false was. Let's say false is lambda x, lambda y, y. Uh, now, uh, lambda encoded number if we use the most common lambda encoding, which is the church encoding, uh, the, the way you encode uh, the number zero, so we'll definitely have to spend more time on this for real, but just for the moment, the way you encode the number zero actually turns out to be the same. Lambda x, lambda y, y. 
Uh, of course, the other natural numbers are encoded differently from, they're not encoded the same way as true uh, is encoded, but it happens that zero is encoded lambda x, lambda y, y. So what this means is that false, you know, if we define a type for the lambda encodings of, for church encodings of Booleans, another type for church encodings of Nats, then this one particular term, lambda x, lambda y, y, both can be assigned the type nat and can be assigned the type bool. I, I didn't say what those types are. Okay, we can define those as well. Um, and, you know, that will be further discussion. We'll definitely want to have a whole chapter about lambda encodings. But uh, for the moment, just let's just uh, understand that we can define types for church-encoded nats and church-encoded bools. And that, that one and the same term that's church-encoded zero and church-encoded false has the type nat, and it also has the type bool. The same underlying, unannotated, untyped lambda term can be assigned both those types. And that means you can assign it the intersection type. So that you could say lambda x, lambda y, y has type nat intersect bool. It's, it's one of those terms that has both those types. It's in the intersection of the nat and bool types. And in fact, uh, that's the only lambda term in the intersection of those two types, um, at least for uh, terminating lambda calculus. I mean, if you had diverging terms, maybe you would count divergence as being in both of those types. But, but if everything's terminating, and with the encodings as they're usually done, there's only one term in the intersection of those two types, and it's, it's lambda x, lambda yy. Uh, now, okay, so you say... <laughs> Woohoo! High five! <laughs> That's really awesome that you could say that zero is a nat and zero is a bool. I mean, I mean, I'm being facetious. I mean, that's obviously not the whole point of this is to like, you know, to say, yeah, look, we we did that because first of all, why would you care to do that? You don't. I don't really care to do that particularly. But it, it's. I mean, it's sort of a funny little curiosity. Usually with intrinsic typing, you know, we 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 wag our heads and you know, I, I, the idea that uh, you know that you have from programming languages like C that uh, you could represent false as zero. You know, like, that's just crude, right? We're not distinguishing types. Well, here's a, a system that is not type-theoretically crude, or an approach or viewpoint that's not type-theoretically crude, that actually does not distinguish false and zero. They're the same lambda term. Uh, and so that's kind of sort of a curiosity, I think you could say. Uh, but there's some real purpose to doing this. To, there's a point to intersection typing, and there's uh, actually there's a bunch of points. Uh, I had I didn't know, and I mentioned um, actually one of the uh, a listener to this podcast was kind enough to thank me for mentioning this fact about intersection types way back on the type theory podcast that I did. I was very pleased to be invited to do a few years back uh, about intersection types, and which is that. Intersection typing is uh, expressive enough that, you know, a lot of type theories, we're trying to ensure that all the programs terminate. You know, so if we're working with a pure type system with just pure lambda calculus terms, we're trying to ensure that all those lambda calculus terms uh, are, are at least normalizing. That is, they, they, there is some way to get them to a final value. Maybe there's some other sort of bad choice of how to reduce the term that runs forever, but there's a good choice that will have the term uh, reduced to a normal form. Um, anyway, I was really surprised to learn, I don't know when I learned this one, I learned this from Stéphane Gramlin-Grand, 
maybe five years ago. It's it's a well-known fact, but I, it's not a well-known fact I knew, <laughs> that uh, certain intersection typing systems are both sound and complete for normalization. That means they're sound. That means every term you can type in these systems is guaranteed to normalize, but they have that in common with a bunch of other type systems, like simply type lambda calculus ensures normalization, and system F, a polymorphic lambda calculus, ensures normalization. But amazingly, intersection types not only ensure normalization, they also are complete for normalization, meaning if you have a normalizing term, you can type it in the language. And when I first heard this, I was like, you think something's got to be wrong. I mean, that, that must be impossible. That must violate some you know, theory, some theorem of recursion theory or something. No, it, it doesn't violate any theorems because it's really not, there's really no problem in having a way of showing that every term, every normalizing term normalizes. Um, it's really disproofs of normalization that are the problem. Like when you think about the halting problem, you know, how do we tell if every, if a particular program is going to, to on a particular set of inputs, let's say, that's really the, the basic form of the halting problem. Given some program and some particular set of inputs, is the program going to halt or not on those inputs? Um, you, proving that the program halts, if it does halt, you can prove it, right? Because how do you prove it? Well, it's easy. Like you just exhibit an execution sequence that, of the program that eventually stops, right? That would, be a, that would serve as perfectly acceptable evidence that the program halts. You can so you can and you can think of this if you want as having a proof system for halting. You can prove that things do halt, and so since the halting problem is undecidable, uh, there is sort of a little subtlety here that, and this I, I, this is a subtlety I learned only after grad school. It's sort of okay, so I've got this undecidable problem. The halting problem is undecidable, but sort of half the problem has a sound and complete proof system. That is, I have a way of soundly and completely proving that things term, you know, terminate if they do terminate. They have halt, let's say, if they do halt. Okay? So my program halts, I definitely can prove that. Um, so what this tells you is if I had a way of disproving halting, like suppose I had a similar proof system that would, if the program doesn't halt, it would let me prove it didn't halt. Then we could solve the halting problem by searching in parallel for proofs that the program halts and proofs that it doesn't halt. Okay? So you could just imagine, like, sort of fire off this parallel process. That's, that's, I mean, this would be, of course, ludicrously inefficient, but we're just looking for a theoretical result here. So you could search and search and search for proofs that the thing halts and search and search and search for proofs that the thing doesn't halt. And that, and eventually, since the program, you know, it, it does, you know, here we are in a <laughs> classical setting, the program either halts or it doesn't halt, right? There's no other possibility. So eventually, one of those processes would find the proof that it, it either halts or doesn't halt. And since the problem's undecidable, we know that can't work because <laughs> we otherwise we'd be able to, so to solve the problem algorithmically. And so the, the, what, what breaks down is you don't have a sound and complete proof system for, for divergence. In general, you can't soundly and completely prove that programs uh, fail to halt when they do indeed fail to halt. Uh, so that's kind of a little surprising wrinkle. But anyway, so there's no harm in having a, some way or other of proving uh, a sound and complete way of proving program normalization. And intersection typing gives you that. Now, to be perfectly honest, I don't recall the details of how that works. I just remember that 
the, that the cool, the key and crucial and kind of cool thing is that um, intersection typing is closed under beta expansion. Like if you run your programs backwards, you can still type them, which is very funny. From a programming language perspective, you're usually looking for type preservation. If you've got a typable program and you run it a little step, then it's still typable. And that's, that's a totally standard property for a typed language. But the opposite property, the sort of running my program in backwards, because I could, you know, the reason that's, that's surprising is usually in, for a typed programming language, there are sort of gobbledygook nonsense programs that you could execute a step and then they're fine. Like imagine I have a pair type that has two components. One component is you know, like Boolean true and the other component is some completely untypable nonsense. Okay? And if I say take that pair and project out the first component, well, I can't type that expression, but if I just reduce it a st one step to true, I can definitely type that. You know, so going backwards in program execution is definitely, in general, not expected to preserve typing. But the funky thing is that for intersection types, it is. <laughs> and that's actually the key lemma you need. Uh, this is all kind of what I recall. I have to go brush up on the details to be able to give you a better explanation of how this all works. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the key fact you need to show that intersection types are complete for termination, for normalization, that is. Uh, let's see. There's more interesting stuff to say about intersection types, and in fact, we use them uh, in Sedil. That's one of the key critical building blocks for our whole setup is intersection typing. And so we're not using it for this kind of property of being sound and complete for normalization. As cool as that is, uh, we use them for something else. And so maybe I'll talk about that again, uh, talk about that some other episode soon. Okay, I've reached my destination on a pretty nice day. It's 45 degrees. Yesterday it was 55 degrees in Iowa at the start of February. Unheard of. I've lived here for almost 12 years. And, you know, last year we had the polar vortex where it was like minus 20 and winds of 40 miles an hour. It was just like uninhabitable waste. And yesterday it was really nice. I was out with the kids doing scoot, you know, they're on their scooters and stuff. So today it's, it's 45 degrees right now. So anyway, I hope wherever you are listening is also nice. And I'll talk to you again later.